Not just a stand-up comic, but a stand-up guy who's putting comedy to work to do something good. It's a very cool idea, but don't just take my word for it. It's me again with Richie Byrne, this time talking about United We Laugh. And the idea came to you how exactly? Two years ago, I had a guy come to me who's now my manager. He was a little more, two and a half years ago. He wasn't my manager at the time. And he said, I'm starting a tour. And he said, I have a group of my comics and we need one more guy. We need one more comic. It's, I want it to be five comics, not four. But I only have four comics on my roster. He said, I want, would you, I, he goes, would you come to the tour? And I said, yeah, man, sure. And he said, okay. So we had a meeting about the tour. And we looked around and we realized that we were five white guys. And someone said, I don't think we can do this. You know, we're going to, no, people are, people are going to hate this. We're five white guys. And I thought that was sad because we didn't get together and go, we're going to be exclusive. We weren't, it just happened. And somebody came up with the idea that we should call it the white guilt tour. That that, and I was, and I was appalled by that. Like, like, because in my mind, it was like, well, what, what, like, like other ethnic groups are going to go, oh, it's okay. They're up there apologizing. Everybody. It's the white guilt tour. And the tour never happened. Okay. It never happened. But it bothered me because it was like, man, what? I just thought, where are we living now? That Because you can do an all black show. You can do an all female show. You can do an all Spanish show. You can do whatever you want, an all gay show. But you cannot do an all-white male show. But you really can't, you think? No. You think that would have been an issue? Yeah. Like somebody would have pointed that yes. out? Really? I do. Wow. And, and I've said this before. I've had club managers say to me, you're a white male comic. I've got enough of those. You, you cannot say that to any other ethnic, well, any other true. race, creed. Yeah. You cannot say that. But you can say it to a white male and get away with well, it. Well, there's you know? a lot of you, I guess. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but right? it's... And I'm not... Listen, I'm not... I don't want people to think it's the plight of the white man. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm not, it's so hard you know, being you, a white Yeah, you people America, don't know. Right? You be, how dare you try and understand where I'm coming from? But I understand your time is up. But I, <laughs> but I, I thought about it. I thought, that's sad, and it needs to be addressed. And as time has gone on, I noticed in comedy, you can't say anything. Any people, somebody's offended every day. And I thought, well, where are we going? And, and I'm not an offensive comic. I, I don't, I never did any real serious. And what I found funny is most of them are Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. You know, there's very few white comics that go and really get into issues of race. And I just thought, why can't we do a tour? The idea I first had was an all white show but only going to black audiences. And I was in Atlantic City two years ago working, and a friend of mine, Dr. Butch Rosser, who comes on the Oz's show, a Yale graduate and an amazing, amazing man, and he's this six foot five, huge, played football in college, huge black man who I love to death. He's just one of my favorite people in the world. And I'm at dinner with him, he was in town. And I'm at dinner with him and his friend, and, um, and my friend Tim, and Tim said, tell them your idea. And his friend had worked President Bush in education, and he, he was black. And they're, very, they're both Yale graduates, very smart guys. And I told them my idea, and they were like, you have to do this. Two really educated, smart black men were telling me, you must do this. 
This just needs to, you need to, you need to get this out there. And that blew my mind. This is two years ago. Like, my original idea was white comics in front of a black audience. Oh, and then okay. I thought, well, that's, now we're not including other races. Now we're not, we're still exclusive. And they were saying, take it to churches. Black churches will love this, blah, blah. That never came about. And as time went on, I, because nobody was helping me get it off the ground. And I thought, you know, it would work better if I did two black comics, two white comics, and another ethnic uh, uh, comic who hosts it. So that was going to be the, and, I, and, and then I said, but something's missing. Well, it's just still a show. And then I thought, well, what if, what if we got the audience to talk about racism and bias? I don't know where that came from, but it just popped into my head. What if we brought the audience into the conversation? And this all went on for about two years. It just was in my head. And then slowly it came to me, yeah, if I involve the audience, now it's more than just a show. And then I met Lisa Finn and I told her the idea and she's like, I can make this happen. I've been writing about race, racial issues for 25 years and she said, I know places, where I'll take you out to the Hamptons. And I, and I go, the Hamptons? The Hamptons? <laughs> she goes, you cannot believe the racial divide out oh, here. Yeah. And I, now I can, yeah. you know. And uh, she jumped it, put it up, got it going. We did it at Hellenic over the, su over the summer and we've been doing it once a month ever since. You came to uh, Hampton Bays. Hampton Bays. Yeah. And uh, after the first show, I realized it was too much. There were too many comics. How many did and you have the first time? We had two black comics, two white comics, and a Spanish MC. And the show went too long. And then I realized, this is dumb. Why am I not hosting it? It's my show. Because I got up at the first show, explained why I'm doing this, and oh, then introduced... And then sat down. <laughs> and then introduced the, the, okay. the host. Yeah. And then he introduced me to do my act. It was stupid. So Lisa said, just get rid of the host. You host. And then I thought, well, if I host... I can cut down to three comics, and they can be each of a different ethnic background, black, uh, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing now, and I think it, it's working so much better. That's the formula you saw, and I, I think it works so much better. The show you saw was the first time I hosted. It's still evolving, because it's still pretty new. So, which is what I loved about my variety show, is that shows are never perfect. The other thing that's great is that I always bring in new comics. What did you think was going to work that hasn't worked? Didn't expect the comics to be so engaged in the wow. second half. They're unbelievably engaged. Yeah. Wow. I thought the one problem I'm going to have is that when we do the second half where it's open up to the audience, the comics are just going to sit there and go, am I done? Can I get my paycheck? I could not have been more wrong. They're very in involved in it. They get passionate. They get angry. They get funny. I mean, they're doing exactly what I need them to do, except that they don't shut up. <laughs> I tell them, we got to remember, we're opening this up to the audience. So if you have something to say, say it quick. Okay. That never happens. Wow. There's a dissertation. You know, uh, Mr. Smith went to Washington <laughs> and it goes on and on. And, right. And then that surprised me how in, into it the comics are. And the other thing that surprised me is how much the audience is willing to talk to the audience. Right. Get, once they get going, they go. I think part of it, part of the success of it is that like we were talking about before with like connecting with the audience, you've got these comics up there that then like get the audience in the palm of their hand. Mm -hmm. And then they go, okay, now it's time to talk about it. And there's already a sense of connection, of familiarity a little bit. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you have a sense of which who is that why person I don't, is, which is so great. Right. It, my, you know. And my point is, hey, we all just laugh together. So let's talk together.
that's what I want to do. I don't want it. I think that most times when you get into heated debates in in a uh, town hall situation, it's people don't really know each other or whatever, and right. and it gets angry. I go in this case, it's like, hey, we just sat around, had dinner, and laughed, so let's talk now, right. and let's you know we kind of trust each other. Let's yeah. do this. And it does really avoid that hostility that comes up if you just were to present something where people were coming in to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Then there is a tendency to my to one get all... my one problem, and you and I talked about this when you came to the show, is that um, I really want more of the other side, the people who, I don't think there's enough people coming in who are like, oh, get over yourselves. Slavery was years ago. I want that person. I don't, you know what I mean? I want that, that person who goes, I'm so tired of hearing complaints. We're getting a lot of great people, but a lot of them are already on that side of the right. anti-bias. So everyone's uh, just agreeing with it. There's a little else. bit of agreement, which didn't happen in the first show. So, and there were a few really heated moments in the first show that I loved, that actually at the time I was scared to death, but I know now I think we can handle it better and I really want that. I did a quick survey the other night at a meeting. There were like 14 people in the room and we were talking about the whole bias thing and prejudice and I said, so let me ask, do you believe that people who have biases know they have biases? Like if you're prejudiced, do you know you're prejudiced? Mm -hmm. And everyone in the room said no, that they think that there's like a blind spot. I do think there are people out there who really truly believe they don't have any prejudice whatsoever. And I think it's because, and Jim Banks says it all the time, he goes, we can't do this if you don't accept the fact that we're all prejudiced in some way. And even I think I was one of those people, I'm not. That's why I can do this, I'm not. And since starting the show, I realized, wow, I do have attitudes about things that I don't really know that much about. And that's been great listening to people talk I think that people don't want to believe that they have prejudice. Because it doesn't say anything good about them. No, they're, they're not mean people either. There are mean people out there who are prejudiced. There, right. there are people out there who might have ways of thinking where they go, I don't want to think that way, but I, I do. Yeah. But then there are other people who are like, no, screw this guy because he's this or she's that. Or that the, the, I don't want those people because there's no change in those people. So what's your greatest hope from this? If there's no changing people who are, you know, the most hateful, you know, what I always think about is like the ripple effect. If you get like Joe to, to open up his thinking a little bit and then he's having a conversation with a guy who is absolutely locked into this is what I think and I'm not budging. And if Joe goes, oh, well, blah, 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 like you can hope maybe that they chip away a little bit, that yeah. this guy's thinking eventually down the road might shift. Right. I mean, is that That's possible? That's what I'm, I think it is. Maybe it could happen at the show. I don't know. I mean, I know I've changed. I've yeah. definitely changed. Really? Absolutely. Since you've been doing the show? Oh, yeah. So tell me this. Go ahead. I definitely was one of those people who thought, you know, that it's not that big a deal. It's 2019. Oh, really? Oh, without a doubt. And come on. And I think in some ways that puts me in a, at a place where it was like, because I don't think I look that much at people. I, I would always be like, oh, he's a good guy. And I go, oh, he's a good black guy or he's a good Spanish guy. He's, you know, and I think that I thought, man, you're taking this way too seriously, people. But then you start, I started hearing some of the stories that people are telling about what they've been through. Oh, yeah. And you sit there and you go, oh my God. Like the one, I hated the term white privilege. I hated it. And I'm starting to go, oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I think James said last night that you don't understand white privilege because you 
You have it. Chelsea Handler did a documentary called Hello Privilege, It's Me, Chelsea. Okay. It's an eye-opener. Like, but on the same, on the other side that we haven't touched on much is I think there's an anger among a lot of whites in this country now based on the fact of I'm not getting things because it has to go elsewhere. And, and I think that if the pendulum swings too much one way, it's never good. Yeah. Everybody, you know, and, and that can happen too. Right. I'm not saying it's there yet, yeah. but it, it, if the pendulum swings, swings too much one way. And if you leave the white voice out, that's a big mistake. And I do feel like people feel they're not being heard. I think that that's a big problem among my friends. That they feel like no one cares what I say because I'm white. I don't matter. Really? Yo, yeah, wow. absolutely. And I think it's funny that like a minority is saying to me, you don't understand. People feel like they're not being heard. And, wow. that, and I want people to feel like they can be heard at this show. That's yeah. my most important. That if I could take anything away. This is not, and I say that all the time. I'll tell you a great story. My, my buddy, who's a Trump supporter, his son's in college. And his son's a Trump supporter. And he was talking to some girl at college, at a party, a black girl, and her friend came over and said, why are you talking to him? He likes Trump. And they walked away. And the son said to me, he goes, you know, like, we could have talked about it. We could have, they could have opened my eyes to why I'm wrong or, or the, but instead they just chose to walk away. And that, that's it. That's not what we should be teaching in this country. Right. You know, everybody should be involved in talking. And why? Why did? Why can Trump affect so many people? So many because he's he, he's hitting the nail on the head with people. He's he's hitting a nerve. Whether you know whether you want to admit that or not, he's hitting a nerve with a lot of people. Where they're going, yeah, I'm not getting jobs. We, that's a scary thing when people can say that. And I think we have to we have to acknowledge that that that's happening. Yeah, you don't bring him up at all. Anymore. No, I don't want to. Yeah. I, I hate that I just brought him up now. And, it, and it, not because, <laughs> no, I do, because I don't want this to become a Trump thing, which Tell is why I'm gonna run for president. Okay. <laughs> you are Oprah, apparently. <laughs> you so, want to hear a great Oprah story? Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she was on the Dr. Oz show, because she was a, it was her show, she owned it. Oh, Harper, right, right, which, right, and, yeah. So she comes on the show, and she is lovely. She is so nice. So, but when she's gonna, first time she's gonna be on the show, there's like a, we have a meeting, Oprah's come in. Oh. I had to wear slacks and a, a, a you know I wear jeans? Wear? Like Jamas? almost this. I had to wear like a, a, a suit jacket, oh Oprah. Oh really? Yeah, wow. yeah. And uh, by the third time she was there, no one cared what you wore, right. but the first show, everybody had a, so. I used to do a bit about the fact that every year Dr. Oz was winning the Emmy and every year he'd give this great speech and I'd go, he, and i say to the audience, Dr. Oz won the Emmy, gave a great speech, thanked everybody, almost everybody. Thanked the producers, thanked the director, thanked his wife, thanked Lisa. I, go, I don't see Lisa out here every day running around, running. So I, I give it, every day I would give him crap about the fact that he yeah. didn't thank me at the Emmys. And it, and one day he said to me, next year. And I turned and I go, no, not next year. Because Regis is retiring. So Regis is going to win. So I have to become friends with Regis and get him to thank me. So that became an ongoing thing oh, with Doc funny. and I. He would go, next year. I go, no, because Regis is retiring. So this became like, so Oprah's there. And, I, uh, and my sister-in-law came to the show because she was an Oprah fan. Right? I got her in. So... 
Oprah and Doc are on the set doing whatever in between. And I, and I go, well, look at all the Emmy Awards. And with, you know, like I make a joke. I go, Dr. Oz won the Emmy. I go, you know, and I do the bit. And I'm forgetting that he can't come back because he's busy with Oprah. Right. So, you know, every year he wins the Emmy. Never thanks me. Never thanks me. Blah, 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 blah. And Oprah goes, next year. And <laughs> actor in me triggers. And I go, no, not next year. Because Regis is going to win. So I got to become, fr- and I realized halfway through that I'm yelling at Oprah. And when I finish my rant, yeah. Oprah goes, okay then. <laughs> and I look over and my sister-in-law's eyes are, and she goes, you know, we yell at Oprah. I go, I know, I can't believe I yelled at Oprah. But back to like all people being treated equal. I'll bet she loved uh, that. She did. I'll bet nobody yeah. ever yells at Oprah. She came right? over, you're so funny. Because she didn't have a warm up on her show. She did. Like, uh, I, I forget, it was a singer or something. So she didn't really have a, yeah. a warm-up. Yeah. She came over, she goes, you were really funny. You were great. She's, she's really nice. Yeah. But I just, I'm like, I'm yelling. And once <laughs> I realized I was yelling at her, yeah. I'm like, well, she's acted. She better realize I'm good because I'm not, I got to finish the bit now. <laughs> so I yelled at Oprah. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, that's great. Uh, All right, well, listen, I just want to ask you about United We Laugh. I think it's a great name, and it gives you... Pretty much what we're trying to do. We're, you know, we're trying to laugh and we're trying to be less divided. Cool, right? Not just the idea, but Richie. Cool and loads of fun. If you're looking for more fun, subscribe to the It's Me, Cindy podcast. Mostly fun, sometimes fascinating, and always looking to make life a little better.